Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with 19 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net, and we have a link in the top right-hand corner. You can stream us. You don't have to listen to us on the radio, 1230 a.m. certainly is an option, but you can also stream us um, just from your computer. Yeah, nowadays that's the easy way to do it. And you can also download the TuneIn radio app, which is my favorite way of doing it. Um, Listen on your smartphone. You can Listen to us while you're working in the yard, jogging and tailgating, yeah, watching football. There you go. Tailgating. You name it. I mean, we're, we're right there. You can get us well, on your phone. Yeah, we, we make it easy. <laughs> we do. Also, check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there and uh, email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can also email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, I think we have a great show lined up for today, um, as usual. Have a top ten. We have a top ten. We're starting off with the top ten excuses for making bad investment decisions. Yeah, we see this often. Now, I know you don't think you make any bad investment decisions, but unfortunately, we're here to tell you we, we've seen it all. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm afraid you do. It's very common. You probably do. We all do. We all make a <clears> few <throat> bad decisions, right? And it usually is linked to whenever we let our emotions get in the game and so, and then you justify it with your excuses, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to talk about—the top ten excuses you give yourself for following your emotions. Yeah, that's a good one. Stick around for that one. Then we're going to follow up that with an article, actually by Dave Ramsey, and it um, talks about um, the the title is "Is the government trying to steal your retirement?" There was a um, a cap that Obama was talking about for IRAs of a couple million dollars. And we've had clients come in saying, hey, I've heard the government's going to take over my 401k. So we're going to dive into that topic a little bit and kind of give you what Mr. Ramsey says and kind of what our viewpoint is uh, as well. And then we're going to follow up. Uh, the final segment is going to be the five most common financial scams. And, and you're probably familiar with one of them, emails, right? From Oh, they're all out, your, all over the place. <clears> from Nigeria here. or whatever. It happens to me about every two weeks I get it an email. It does. But they've gotten a lot more cunning, too. I mean, they there's have. some that, that you really may fall for. I mean, Kathy just came in and asked me about one just, I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, she was questioning, is this real? Should I link, put a push on this link? You know, it's, yeah. it's, they're, they're, every day they're getting more and more sophisticated. Yeah, don't so. do it. Don't do it. So pay attention, you know, no doubt. We're going to cover them, though. So you want to listen up on that one. Um, but we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this source is from um, the uh, Affordable Care Act, actually talking about um, that wonderful program that started off uh, this last week. And the ACA uh, dictates that insurance companies participating in the um, this health care exchange, they can't deny coverage to individuals because of a diagnosis like arthritis, 
uh, maybe cancer, obesity, and um, they can't charge a higher premium because of health problems, chronic illnesses, or gender. Uh, they ha- however, they can restrict the individual choice of hospitals or doctors. So, you know, when I look at that, um, you know, pre-existing conditions, I-, I get that and I understand that's an important piece of it. But from a capitalism standpoint, someone that costs more probably should pay more. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, there's got to be a way to pay for that. And, and there is, obviously. It's going to be higher premiums on everybody. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this washes out, you know, in six months and how much it's really costing you know, the government, because, I mean, there's no way you can provide this coverage for free, yes. you know? I mean, yeah, there needs to be a safety net for folks that just can't get coverage any way whatsoever. But having said that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, 200 pounds overweight, I'm sorry, you need to pay higher yeah. health insurance costs. And here's the problem is, is if, you know, the insurance companies are not able to make a profit, they're going to drop out. They, exactly. they will not be in a business unlike the government and not make money. So, yeah, so they're going to have to get paid somehow for this. And, you know, young people are not going to sign up if they're if they're having the foot, you know, the the smoking grandma out there that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's 100 pounds overweight. So you, you got to it's it's I don't know. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how this washes out. That's I, a good fact. Though. That's why we're skeptical a little bit. We'll see how, we how it turns out. Skeptical we'll keep you up to date on it is going to be able to survive under its own weight, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Okay, and that leads us up here, though, to our first topic of the day, and that is the top ten excuses for making bad investment decisions. Um, You know, John, I mean, as human beings, we have an astounding ability (laughs) to uh, deceive ourselves when Mm -hmm. it comes to our own money, right? I mean, we tend to rationalize our fears, and instead of just recognizing how we feel and reflecting on our our thoughts that it creates. I mean, we cut out the middleman and we construct a facade of of logical sounding arguments, you know, justifications, if you will, to to follow those vague feelings that we have. And you know, these often these arguments often elaborate short term excuses that we use to justify behavior that runs counter to our long term interest. Now we've seen this time and again. You know, when the markets get a little bit scary, right? I mean. We get calls from people who um, maybe want to want to go to cash mm-hmm. because the budget battle in Washington is getting a little scary. Or aka, it's time in the market, right? Time in the market, right? I mean, once we, you know, once we had a good quarter, sometimes we'll get people that will call and they'll want to go more aggressive because they're thinking the market's heating up, you know, and things are getting better. And and so, um, you know, then we get people who just want to take out huge chunks of money, but that they can't afford to help their maybe their kids or to continue to be irresponsible or maybe buy a car they really can't afford. Um, I think we've seen about all of it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and all of these are results of emotions um, that we've seen over the past 19 years. But here are the top 10 reasons that people give excuses to justify their emotions, to follow their emotions. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll jump right into it here since it's a pretty long list. All right, number one here is I just want to wait till things become clearer. Yeah, calm down a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. This, is, you, this is definitely number one. Yeah, I mean, we see this all the time, you know. I mean, and it's understandable to feel a little unnerved by the volatile markets and the, the silly bickering that goes on in Washington these days. But, you know, waiting for the volatility to clear before you invest, um, that can result in missing out on some of the best returns in the market. I mean, st- the stock market is a leading economic indicator. So that means that it's going to move up or down 
before the economy, typically. And I think that's what a lot of people miss, is they don't realize that the market is looking out six to nine months and trying to figure out what the earnings are going to be based on the event that happened today. And you, you just can't, you know, when the, when the volatility is high, sometimes that's when the markets do well, and you just can't predict it. You can't that, time it. That's exactly right. So that means, I mean, you're not likely to feel better about things until after the stock market has already moved higher. Um, and that causes you to miss out on potentially great periods. So you can't sit around waiting till things become clear because, I mean, there's always uncertainty out there. Always, and yep. the market reacts, you know, according uh, to that way ahead of time. Yep, and um, uh, that's a good one. That, that definitely is number one. Number two here on the list, we hear it uh, quite a bit, is I just can't take the risk anymore. Um, you know, by focusing exclusively on the risk of losing money and paying a premium for safety, uh, we can end up, you know, we see people ending up with insufficient funds for retirement. They're they're not willing to take any risk. And, uh, you know, but when you avoid risk, um, it also means missing the upside. And, you know, you really need to be realistic about what return you can expect and what risk level uh, you need to, to accomplish your long-term goals. That means going through a retirement planning process. Some folks we we work with, um, they don't need to take a lot of risk. They can they can afford a 5% rate of return. Other folks haven't saved as much, and they're probably going to need a, you know, seven or maybe eight percent return, and that means you have to be a little bit more aggressive. Aggressive, but you know, most people don't enjoy taking risks. But um, usually, a, a certain level is necessary to achieve your what your goals are. Exactly. I mean, you can't you can't do it in CDs today. You yeah. know, I mean, unless your goal is to lose money to inflation every year, year in and year out. Yeah. Then you're going to have to take a little bit of risk to. Um, Unless you have a couple risk. million dollars and not pulling a lot out, but most yeah. people are not set yeah. up. Yeah, I that mean, if you're trying fashion. to keep up with inflation at all, yeah. you're going to have to take some risk. No doubt about that. That was a good one. All right, number three here on the list is I want to live today. Tomorrow can take care of itself, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah live right. For today, man. Live for the day. Well, you know, I mean, I understand that. I mean, we we often use to to justify a reckless purchase. It's either, you know, it's not either or, right? I mean, you can live for the day and mind your savings. Um, you simply need to have a budget that factors in your long term goals and your plans, along with some having some fun today, and then stick to it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all take vacations, and I believe in taking some nice ones. Yeah. You know, but you it's got to be in your budget. You got to you got to plan for it accordingly, and then also save for retirement. You know what Dave Ramsey says: the best kind of vacation is the one that doesn't follow you back. Yeah, that's with, for with sure. the credit card bills. <clears throat> that's so right. it's okay to take vacations. Just pay for them, save up for it, make sure you can afford it, and you're hitting your other goals like emergency funds and retirement and things like that. Yeah, just have a plan. That's it. All right, and then number four here on the list, real quick, um, before we go to break. I don't care about growth. I just need the income. Well, I mean, income is fine, you know, by but making your sole focus um, on income, that can lead you to a dangerous road. I mean, just ask anyone who recently invested in, like, collateralized debt organizations back in the last, yeah. you know, debt crisis mm-hmm. we had, right, in 2008. Yeah, that didn't turn out too well. It did not. I mean, there's lots of different types of risks, so you need to diversify beyond just high dividend-paying instruments or investments, you know, including bonds. Um, you can create income from capital gains or dividends. 
And most people also need some growth to keep up with inflation over time. So don't kid yourself that you're just concerned about income. But that's a good one. All right. When we come back from the break here, we'll continue with this. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the top 10 excuses that people make for making just silly investment decisions, John. This was on Dave Letterman this last week. <laughs> it should be. Should you know, be, yeah. Dave should give some more useful advice like this. But... Uh, you know, I know this came from DFA. Um, you know, one of their articles outside the flags they they put out there, Jim Parker from DFA, and you know, and it, it, it's they're just so common. You know, I mean, we try to follow our emotions in making decisions, and then we justify it with logic. Mm-hmm. You know, because so it we'll, makes us feel better. It makes us feel better. So we use silly logic to try to justify. You know, not following a, a disciplined strategy, but to follow our emotions. And everybody has wild emotions when it comes to investing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you read one headline in the news, and it makes you want to do something. Sure. You know, you want to sell, you want to buy, you just want to do something emotional as a result of that. And you have to restrain yourself. And, you know, so we just talked about some of the top ten here, um, the first four on the list. And one of them was just want to wait till things become clear. You know, we hear that all the time. People want to sit on the sidelines till things clear up. Well, guess what? It's never going to clear up. You know, <laughs> that's the world we live in. It's a world of uncertainty. You know, we've been through this for, for years and years, everything from, you know, Iraq and, you know, Saddam Hussein and, you know, Iran and North Korea. And there's always something. I mean, in the 60s, it was Vietnam. You know, yeah. it was the Cold War. You name it. I have a chart on my wall that goes back to 1900, and it shows the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yeah. And each dip and rise, there's a there's an event that happens. So that's it's, right. It's never clear. It's never clear. <laughs> it there just, is always uncertainty. There's always big things that feel like they're on the horizon. Yep. And you cannot plan around that. You cannot make your investment decisions based on that. They will never clear up. So you just have to diversify, be prudent. And then, you know, you just can't take the risk anymore is another one people use. They want to get out of the market and they don't think about inflation. I want to live for today. Um, Tomorrow can take care of itself. You know, people want to have fun today. And that's that's true. I mean, you can't just put all your money toward the future and not enjoy, you know, life today Mm -hmm. because we don't know how long we have, but you got to plan for it. There's a balance. It's got to be a balance. And then, you know, I don't care about growth. I just want income, right? And we hear that in retirement sometimes, you know, we don't want growth anymore. Just put me all in something fixed and I'll get income. Well, I mean, if you have a ton of money, you can do that. But if you're withdrawing like 4% a year out of your account, and you plan to raise that up, you know, and have it last for 30 years, guess what? You can't do that on fixed income. Yeah. Um, you can't keep up with inflation and take 4% and have it last 30 years. you got to have some equities in your account if you're going to do that. Yeah, if you look at the History, price of – go ahead. That's what history shows. Yeah, if right. you look at the price of milk and consumables, I mean, we see, you know – could you live on your income from 10 or 15 years ago? Most people say no because things have increased in, in price. That's a big one. 
That's right. It really is. So and, that was the first four. Yeah, yeah and we're going to jump into the to the last uh, bit here. Number five here is I want to get some of those losses back. And, you know, it's human nature to uh, to be emotionally attached to the past bets, even even losing ones. But as the song says, you got to know when to fold them. Yes, know when do. to run. Right. That's right. So don't don't double down on a poor decision from the past. Instead, learn from those mistakes and incorporate uh, better diversification and discipline going forward. Exactly. So don't um you know when you when you buy something that's down eighty percent, you may want to move on. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, you know, we we all make bad decisions at some point in our life, and and with investments. Um, also, and so you just have to put those aside, you know, I mean, that's water under the bridge. All right. Number six here. I mean, this stock fund or strategy has been really good to me, so I should keep it forever. Mm -hmm. Right. I should keep doing it. We all have a tendency to want to hold our winners too long, but without the discipline rebalancing, you know, your portfolio can end up carrying much more risk than you ever bargained for. I mean, just because your employer stock might have done well over the past 20 years, that doesn't mean that it's not dangerous going forward to hold an undiversified portfolio. Yeah, I have an example of that. I used to work uh, many years ago for General Electric, <clears throat> and great company, great stock. They hadn't missed earnings in 25 years, and stock price kept going up. Well, they had about a 10-year period that the stock price did nothing but go down. And so a lot yep. of people had all of their 401k in that, and you know, diversify. Things don't, I mean, there's just not a, um, oh, yeah. there's not a pattern to that. There, there's countless examples of that kind of thing. You know, I had a client that was all, had a stock in, in Delta stock. That's mm -hmm. where he worked. He worked for Delta and well, they went bankrupt. So you know what happened to that? Um, and, you know, and then I had a, you know, on the other side, I had a client that was all in tech stocks in February of 2000 when I met with them. Yeah, that's a bad It month. was a prospect. And, you know, I told them, you know, this is one of the few times where I really got through to somebody and, and, and happened to do it just before the tech crash, which happened in April of 2000, mm -hmm. just two months later. And I said, you know, I said, you've been in these tech stocks. They've been phenomenal, right? I said, you're in Las Vegas. You're a winner. The question is, are you going to take your money off the table or are you going to continue playing? You know, and and they got it then, and they actually did let me cash all that in and diversify wow. it, and it, I mean it it saved them from a disaster, oh, no doubt. You know, but that's one of the few times. I mean, I had a lot of examples of people that mm -hmm. went the other way too. You know, with tech stocks, so that was that was an interesting, good experience to to, to see somebody sure heed the advice. Um, next on the list here is you know the, the newspaper said this, you know, or. You know, you've, you've got some somebody said this that was credible, right? But if you're investing by the headlines, it's like it's like dressing based on yesterday's weather report. I mean, the news might be accurate, but the stock market has already factored in yesterday's news, right? I mean, when it comes to stocks, you know, it's a leading. I mean, news is factored in almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is, don't focus on yesterday's news when it comes to investing. It's only new information that's likely to affect the market and your investments going forward. So, you know, don't try to invest based on the newspaper. Yeah. If, it's in the, if it's out there in the newspaper or online, it's already been factored in. That's so right. That's a good one. Number eight here is, you know, my uncle told me, gave me a hot stock tip or my boss told me, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, the world is, is full of experts, many who recycle stuff they've heard elsewhere. But even if their their tips are right, this kind of advice rarely takes into your circumstances, into your own account. And, you know, public information is already factored in, like we talked about, into the price of the stock almost immediately when it comes out. 
it's only non-public information that is valuable for pricing a stock going forward. But as we know, it's illegal to trade on insider information. I mean, tips are useless, so f- forget about it. Just exactly. leave it alone. Leave that and, alone. And um, if you do have insider information, I mean, that, that you, you better go to really, jail. You better really leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Know? That's. I mean, That'll get you in some hot water, so yeah. don't don't try to get a hot stock tip and trade on it. Just, yeah, just ask Martha Stewart, right? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, that's a good one. Um, number nine here on the list is I just want certainty, right? I mean, wanting confidence with your investments is fine. Everybody wants certainty, right? I mean, everybody wants confidence, but certainty, you know, you can spend a lot of your money trying to insure yourself against every possible outcome, uh, I mean, just look at the yield of CDs today. I mean, while you can't guard against every type of risk or possible outcome, it, it's it's cheaper to simply diversify your investments and to assume a reasonable amount of risk to reach your long-term goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what you have to do. All right, and the last one here on the list is I'm too busy to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we get that one. We do get that. I mean, we all feel that way, too. I mean, everybody's busy, right? I mean, this is a busy life everybody leads today you know, with everything that's going on. But, I mean, we often try to control things that we can't change, you know, the market, the media, the noise out there. Um, And then we neglect areas where our action can make a difference, like the cost of investments, you know, and that's worth the effort. So stop putting off making really important financial decisions about your life. Make it a priority to plan for your future, Mm -hmm. you know, and just do it today and, and, and stop using the excuse that you're just too busy and you're going to do it tomorrow. So that was number 10. All right. Well, most people, you know, they need some accountability um, and and help to avoid the emotional decisions justified by these common excuses. So get some help. You know, if you're like most people and you need to restrain your emotions, I mean, given how easy it is to pull the wool out of your own eye, over your own eyes, I mean, it can pay to seek some good independent advice from somebody who understands your needs and circumstances who um, you know holds the the holds yourself to the promises you made um, in your most lucid moments? Yeah, some accountability. Exactly. Some, someone to bring some, you know, uh, some reality into some crazy situations. I mean, that's, that's right. One of the things we do a lot. We talk to clients all the time about these issues. Exactly. Yeah, we call it the no more excuses strategy here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're certainly here to help. So give the money doctors a call if we can help you. Um, get back on the track for your future. You can uh, reach us at moneymd.net, or you can call us in the office or in regular business hours at 706-739-0725. Well, that leads up to our break here, but if you have questions, um, do email us at info at moneymd.net, or give us a call. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back with these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. And I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are going to lead off our second segment here with the question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with savings and, and um, should I contribute all of my savings or you know retirement to my 401k? And you know, first of all, it depends on your situation. Yeah, um, we everybody's would, different. We would have to sit down and specifically look at your goals and um, tax brackets and what your you know priorities are. But in general, I mean, getting the match from the four hundred one k is a great, great deal. So if your company yeah. gives you two, three, four percent, put enough in there to at least get the match. That's job one. You got to do that. That's free money. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. So take that piece of it. 
Beyond that, if you're you know making less than about 170,000, you can put it into a Roth IRA. I think that's, that's a, a good number two. Another good option. As long option. as you have your emergency fund <clears throat> taken care of. That's right. right. That's right. That's yeah. certainly something yeah. that we would put in in front of that. So you know, putting an all in 401k. That's 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 probably number three. I mean, if you're can't do a Roth or not from, you know, familiar with how to do that. It's not a, a bad choice, but um, there's some right. different vehicles that maybe you wouldn't want to look at. But if you have debt, you know, there's other issues involved. I mean, it depends on your situation, right? So we re- you really need to look at your entire situation yeah. to answer that question. But that's a good one, though, no doubt. All right, and that leads up to our next topic here, and that is an article out of uh, DaveRamsey.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question is, is the government trying to steal your retirement? <laughs> well, well, let me answer that for you real quick. The government needs all of your money. Yes. Okay. So, so just send it in, right? Eventually, you know. So uh, it's a good question, though. Well, I, mean, we, I think I get this question once a month. Um, someone yeah. comes forward and says, hey, I saw that the government's going to take over my 401K or take over my IRA. And I'm like... You know, I doubt that's going to happen. The way they're going to get access to it is probably through taxes. Sure. They're just not going to come and confiscate it. Probably Um, not. Probably taxes. If they confiscate it, then there's going to be a a civil war. (laughs) I mean, I think they would, that would, that would wreck the economy. So, but, but Dave has an interesting take on it. So um, the article's title is the government trying to steal your retirement. And, uh, you know, earlier this year we, we, um, you know, we saw that president Barack Obama's proposal, uh, to cap retirement accounts at $3 million in an eff- effort to generate much-needed revenue for the federal government. So that was something that started raising some eyebrows. They started talking about this and trying to put it into the bill. Uh, the topic got a lot of attention, uh, and more than one reader asked why the government could propose to cap the citizens' retirement savings, but citizens had no power to cap the government spending. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that is good logic. You know, it really is. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it it is scary, and and it has happened before. If you look at other governments like Argentina, you know, I think they did take over pension plans when they got in a fiscal crisis and, you know, a debt crisis over there. Um, so I think pension plans, there's some precedent for being worried about that. 401Ks, I, I sort of doubt it. You know, that would ever come up. But like you said, they can tax us. You know, think back to 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's when prior to that, for a while there, there was an excess accumulation distribution tax on 401ks. Yeah, over 600000 you had over 600000 in there, when you took money out, they would tax you an extra 15% on that money. And finally, you know, in the Clinton administration, they did away with that. But um, that certainly has been proposed, you know, again, you know, you've heard it kicked around. Mm-hmm. So it certainly is not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, the fact's a, fact is pre-retirement or tax-preferred retirement funds like 401ks and IRAs, they can look like irresistible piles of cash to governments that are feeling the pinch of the out-of-control budgets and falling revenues. Um, occasionally, the leaders explore ways to tap those funds without causing too much stir you know, and back in 2008, House Representative Subcommittee, they heard testimony in favor of scrapping 401k plans and switching to guaranteed retirement accounts. You know, workers would put in 5% of their pay and the governments would deposit $600 a year and guarantee a 3% return. The goal was to potentially save $80 billion a year in governments, the government spends on the 401k tax incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's kicked around, but of course, I mean, nothing came of that. I mean, there's all kind of weird ideas that mm-hmm. get thrown around in Congress. 
Yeah, and back in 2011 and a couple of months later in 2012, the Treasury Department, they borrowed some money from the federal workers' retirement funds as uh, the nation leaders debated raising the nation's um, legal debt limit. Um, these were the fifth and sixth times in 20 years that the Treasury Department borrowed from the federal workers' retirement money. Key word in there is federal, right? They have right. access to those money. Someone, you know, the government going into a, a GE plan or a Procter & Gamble plan and taking over someone's 401K is probably not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're a government employee and you think your pension is, like, totally separate from the federal <laughs> government, then think again, you yeah. know? I mean, in essence, it's a general – Well, it, it, it does have a funding, but it is a general obligation. You, you see the post office, they, they missed a $6 billion payment – this month for retiree medical benefits. Well, guess what? They can't afford retiree medical benefits no. or pensions. It no. just it's not it's not a feasible benefit, and we're seeing that. And the government picked that up, of course. You know, I mean, and so I mean, the same thing is is happening with um, you know, all kind of pension plans mm-hmm. that are in, yeah, we in, see it in dire straits. Detroit, you know? yeah, they really are. So yeah, in 2012, an organization called the American Society of Pension Professionals and and actuaries, they launched a grassroots campaign to protect American retirement plans from congressional budget cuts. Their concerns centered on recommendations from Obama's National Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform. They were trying to cut or cut back or eliminate 401k tax breaks to help cut spending and balance the federal budget. So, you know, it's been tried before. It's been tried under this administration. Um you know, it's 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 definitely you need to diversify. That's kind of the bottom line. You need to have some of your money in a lot of places because you don't know where the government's going to yeah in the future you. try to tax you. Yeah, and I think you know Dave talks about keeping some perspective, and that's what we we try to provide to our clients is you know with the exception of the Treasury borrowing and paying back money from the federal workers retirement plans, none of these proposals have ever made it to a vote. So the likelihood of the government actually doing away with the four hundred one ks. Uh, IRAs or even the tax breaks for these uh, is accounts uh, as slim. Now, you know, five years, ten years from now, who knows where we'll be from a tax situation? But in today's environment, it's it's probably not likely. Yeah, but you do need to know that government leaders do discuss these topics from time to time, and you're not you not only would be a more informed decision, the citizen and investor. But you'll be able to keep your cool the next time you hear the talking heads, you know, accuse the government of trying to kill your 401k plans. So, yeah, I mean, our advice, at least, is to diversify, right, Mm -hmm. is to diversify. Don't have all your money in your 401k, not all in your pension. Don't rely on any of those vehicles by themselves. I think a Roth is a great place to be because it's already been taxed. Politically, it would be very difficult, Mm -hmm. I think, for the government to come back and tax that again or try to somehow take that money from you. When, it's, when they promised it would be tax-free, I think pensions would be the first target. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, you just need to diversify. Yeah, and then, you know, so be prepared for the next rumor mill. So when you see the headlines start to swirl, swirl again, you know, keep two things in mind. Don't panic. Um, you know, some investors immediately pull the plug on their investments in an ill-advised effort to keep the government hands off their money but they actually put that money directly into the government's pockets through taxes and penalties they could have avoided by simply leaving their money alone and also growing over time, assuming that, you know, the, the growth is there from, from the stock market. But, you know, you're, you're kind of hurting yourself if you do that. That's right. And I think Dave Ramsey makes a good point here where he says get a professional's perspective, you know, because 
advisors like us, I mean, we eat, sleep, and breathe financial news. I mean, if anyone has the latest information on financial topics, it'll be folks like us who make our living, you know, dependent on, you know, following the, mm-hmm. the what's going on in Washington and the retirement savings regulations. So, um, you know, talk to an advisor and a, a professional, somebody in this business, and, and get their opinion and get some feedback from them before you make any rash decisions. Yeah, we've, we've um, you know, I think providing some kind of um, history and some perspective on some of this, because, again, about once a month I have a client say, hey, I hear the government's taking over my 401K, and it's like, well, the way they're going to get access to it is through additional taxes. That's you know, right. More than likely. That's that's probably what's going to end up happening. Exactly. This, All right. Well, that leads us up to our prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with insurance. So um, different types of insurance, whole life, term term policies out there. Um, and and so what we're what we see and what we look at a little bit is is term insurance is is cheap insurance. You basically give the insurance company your money. You don't have anything at the end of it, but it provides you some protection. What I see a lot of times is people get insurance through their place of business, right? Which is okay. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. Sure. But they have brackets in their in their workplace, and for every four years, you get a certain cost per thousand, and it gets very expensive Typ- when you look at typically, it. Typically, I think that's the way it goes. So when you get older, you get over fifty, you're going to get a, a lot higher. Pool. Gonna, yeah, that's right. So when you do the cost analysis, if you would have bought a you know a twenty year, ten year term policy on the outside you would come out uh, ahead from a cost standpoint. So just something to look at and evaluate in your own situation. And I think it's a great tool to use when you're trying to make the decision of whether or not to take a spousal benefit on your pension. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, look at the cost of buying like a 20-year term policy to, to protect your spouse if something happens to you early in retirement as opposed to reducing your pension by, say, 20% to in order to, to right. buy 100% spousal benefits, survivor benefits. So, you know, it's a great tool. You can use term insurance to, to, to satisfy a lot of risk, in, you know, for your survivors. And yeah, it is a good tool. It's pretty pretty inexpensive for the most part. It's gotten very competitive. That's exactly right. All right, that leads us up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here with a new topic, and that is the five most common financial scams. You know, we talk about these from time to time, John. I mean, and it's amazing how more sophisticated they get. Oh, yeah. Over time, they adapt pretty quickly. So you really got to have your guard up here. Yeah, this this article is from CNN Money, and uh, the new survey found that eight in ten respondents have been targets of financial scams. So it's it's prevalent out there, and the scammers are getting, like you said, they're getting more sophisticated. They're not misspelling as many words. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> there. they're not all from Nigeria anymore. Yeah, that's right. You know? So um, you know, from emails promising huge sums of money in exchange for an initial fee, of course, right. To callers offering too good to be true investment, fraudsters are on the prowl, and uh, unfortunately, many Americans are falling prey to them. And as we said, more than eight in ten consumers have received a potentially fraudulent offer, according to FINRA. 
uh, Investor Education Foundation. They surveyed over 2,000 people, and of those targeted, about 11% lost uh, a significant amount of money. That's that's a pretty high percentage. That's, that's a, a lot real, of people. That's a really high percentage. No wonder they keep doing it if that, they're getting 11% hit. That's right. That's right. That's huge. But it's interesting. They, uh, Fender goes on to say, but because people often fail to report financial fraud, either because they don't know who to report it to, or maybe they're just too embarrassed, that number's probably a, a lot higher than that. And unfortunately, uh, elderly respondents were 34% more likely to have lost money than people in their 40s. Men uh, were targeted more often than women, which is kind of surprising a little bit. Um, and the likelihood of yeah. being solicited by a scammer increased with income and education level as well, the survey found. And, you know, these losses can really add up. With most uh, the most recent uh, estimate available putting the total financial fraud at $50 billion a year. So I can see why they're doing it. I mean, I I don't understand the mindset of someone who does that, but, um, you know, people are falling for it. So here are the five most common scams out there. Yeah, and, you know, this one's not a new one. Um, The emails from abroad, right? I mean, most people have heard by now of the so-called Nigerian scam um, where someone claiming to be a you know deposed prince from Nigeria, you know, says he has millions of dollars and they want to transfer it all to you. They just need your bank account information, you know, so you can help them out, <clears throat> you know, the, to kind of you know give them a place where they can put the money and they'll give you ten percent or some crazy thing like that. Um, I mean, there's so many versions of this scam that are being perpetrated out there that emails are are often you know opening with a, a like a hello kind stranger. <laughs> The FINRA says. Um, so, yeah, that one is <clears throat> it's gotten pretty old and tired. Um, you know, everybody's seen that one, I think. Um, and then there's this, uh, the, the there's another one out there that says, hey, you know, here's some easy money. I'm going to transfer $10 million to your bank account, and all you have to do is pay the wire transfer fees that um, this lady from FINRA says. You know, but really, they're just they're just talking. They just want to get your bank information mm-hmm. so they can impersonate you and wipe out your account. You know, but I've seen some are a lot more sophisticated than that. I mean, in the past few years, um, you know, you get these notices from your credit card company. Mm-hmm. I get them by email now <clears throat> when it's questioning a purchase that I actually made, and it's asking me to log in and verify the purchase. You know, if it's outside of my area, outside of my normal purchase. Mm-hmm. And I get those, and you log in, and you verify it, and then they release the purchase. And so you start to get these same things from banks now. You know, Bank of America is a big one that I've seen a bunch of because it's such a big bank. Um, These scammers, what they do is they'll send out an email that looks exactly like Bank of America's logo and everything on it, and they'll say, you know, this is from the fraud detection part department of your bank, you know, Bank of America, and we've detected some, um, uh, you know, potentially fraudulent activity of tran- and a transfer has been made out of your account. It <laughs> gets your attention. Yeah, it gets your attention. Transfers made out of your account. We need you to verify that that transaction, you know, immediately, and they'll give you a link there. And if you click on that link, who knows what happens? Mm-hmm. I've never clicked on the link, but it either takes you to... A uh, Well, actually, I did click on it one time. It took me to a, a website that looked like a Bank of America website was asking you to log in. Really? Yeah, and it's interesting because that website was only up for like five minutes before it got it hmm. got killed. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, since then, I mean, they're wanting your bank information. Yeah. They want you to log in to a, a bogus website. So if you get something like that, you need to go on the real website. Yeah, or call them. Or call them. Go on your own website, you know, link. 
and you know log in and see if something's happened. Yeah, don't don't click on those links. Never I mean, just, click on those links. It's, Never. It's ever. a mess. It's a mess. And so that's a that's the first the top one. I, mean, I think we've all seen that. Another one here is uh, a free lunch. Um, fraudsters they uh, lure victims with invitations for free luncheons where they pitch fraudulent investments to them. They'll promise triple digit returns. Really. 200%? Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. They advertise investments that don't even exist, and uh, they'll never be seen again once they get your money. So, you know, the idea that something uh, someone does something nice for you by inviting you to a free meal seminar um, kind of makes you feel like you want to give them their information. So don't – don't. I mean, someone's promising those type of returns. you, you got to run and go the other way. I mean, that's – That's it. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> um, that's crazy. Here's, here's another one. You've won the lottery, right? Um, of course, you want to believe that you're so lucky that you that you won a lottery uh, that you never even bought a ticket for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens How does that time? work? But don't fall for that one. This is a scheme that's been used for years. Scammers notify people they've won a lottery. Often it's um, been abroad, maybe in Canada or, or Ireland. Uh, the catch is in order for you to claim your prize, you gotta, you must pay a, a couple hundred dollars in fees um, for customs and processing, and um, that's they get your bank account. So, yeah, you crazy. know, pr- protect the bank account. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And then here's another one here, the penny stocks. Um, you know, in this business, we call that the, the pump and dump scam. Uh, you know, the penny stocks are notorious for – for being rife with fraud, you know, that, that they say in FINRA, I mean, scammers will <clears throat> flock to message boards, blogs, and email, and they'll advertise these low-priced, thinly-traded securities. They find something that sounds tempting like marijuana stocks or clean energy or gold, and they'll tout them as the next big thing. Then once the securities are artificially pumped up by all the advertising, the scammers will sell the shares, take all the money, uh, they'll take their, their money, mm-hmm. and they'll leave investors with nothing but, you know, a plummeting price on their stocks. We see that all the time, and I don't know if you notice this. We get faxes in the office all the time trying to pump up some little penny stock. Mm. You know, they, they find out we're an advisor. They know we control a lot of money, yeah. so they'll send it to us. And I get emails from that all the time about trying to pump up some penny stock. You know, yeah. It's a pump-and-dump strategy. And, you know, it's just a common thing. It goes right to the shredding machine. <laughs> that's it. Oh, yeah. We so stay away from penny stocks. That, um, that, that's, that's dreams in most cases. So uh, the last one here is cold calls. Um, you know, don't befriend the, the stranger on the phone. Walsh says scammers often cold call their victims, and they know how to build friendships by not being too aggressive in their sales pitches and, and calling often, uh, sometimes pitching things from gold coins to penny stocks to even roof repair. You know, it comes down to um, to dangling of the phantom riches. They say, don't uh, don't you want to double your money or you know get a quick uh, rich type scheme or you know, have a nice nest egg to pass on to your heirs? And then they say, if you don't buy it now, it's going to go away. So that's that's the trick. And let me add one more here. I mean, my aunt fell for this one where you know she had an invention, an idea. She got on a website, found somebody that was willing to help her her promote that idea or or get a patent on it, right? And they were going to, you know, of course, they wanted money up front, and they were going to basically do the design, the prototype, and everything of the idea, and and then market it for her, and they only wanted 10%, you know, mm-hmm. of the revenue from the idea. 
Well, you know, it was a scam, and I mean, nobody would do that for ten percent. I mean, yeah. you watch Shark Tank. Yeah, you know, that's they, right. They want half 50. the company if they're going to do that. <laughs> Sometimes eighty. You know, and they, they still want you to do all the work. So, you know, I mean, she lost a thousand bucks, and they wanted ten thousand more. You oh, know, I mean, goodness. they were all over her. So they're out there. Be careful. So the key, the key here, you know, fraudsters are are getting increasingly creative. Um, they're latching onto whatever big theme is in the news. Uh, some other schemes have people have fallen for and involve fraudsters claiming to have access to private it pre-IPO shares of big companies about to go public or oil and gas scams are also common um, where you're thinking maybe you're investing in an oil and gas company, but the company doesn't even have any gas and, and oil equipment. So, you know, you just got to, if you have questions, go to someone that you trust. Maybe a lawyer, accountant, an advisor, someone you can run these items by. Yeah, they say, I mean, you should always verify that the person pitching you the financial instruments or the products is licensed. Never rush into anything. I mean, the frauders are experts at identifying your Achilles heel, you know, and the people they're targeting. Um, They'll push you from a logical state to an emotional state. And when they push you in that emotional state... Um, you know, you want to act now, and you don't want to give up that opportunity. So don't get talked into anything on the phone. Get a second opinion before you invest in anything like that. Um, just just be careful. That's the bottom line out there. Yep. All right, good topic. Well, that brings us up to a close of this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And check us on our website, moneymd.net. We'd love to have your questions. Email us at uh, info at moneymd.net, or you can call us, John and Steve, at Richard Young Associates during regular business hours, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.